right away that I am not Tim. I'm a little bit shorter, a lot better looking. He'll agree, wouldn't he? Yeah. So, uh, but my name is Adam. Uh, Tim is actually in Mexico or on his way to Mexico with a CCF uh, group to, to serve God in that, in that manner. Uh, he contacted me this week and asked me if I wanted to preach, and I said, I will preach. Uh, so, I'm, so you guys uh, are stuck listening to me today. Um, I know some of you haven't, um, may not know me real well, so I thought I'd come up with four things, like as an icebreaker, I would tell you about myself, uh, just to kind of to smooth things over and then get us, you know, into the message. So um, I'm, I was trying to think of things that you guys might not know about me. So um, thing one, uh, I was born outside of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, in the back of a pickup truck. And, uh, and then, uh, so that's, that's thing one. Thing, thing number two, um, I went to college uh, on a swimming scholarship. So I, I, uh, I actually uh, used to be quite the swimmer. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, that, it, uh, it just is what it is. And, uh, and see this, let's see, third thing, um, I'm, I'm an enormous Kansas Jayhawk fan, okay? I, uh, I, I'm, you know, just wait till football season, right? Um, because... I just love Kansas, and so you know the the runs over. I feel I feel I feel better. I feel better. Um, the The fourth thing is one time about I was twelve years ago. I threw this rock at a squirrel, and I hit it in the head from thirty four and a half feet away. <laughs> I measured it. Actually, so you guys don't know if you've ever played icebreakers. Sometimes an icebreaker is that you tell. Uh, have you guys ever played the the three truths and a lie, or three lies and the truth about myself? Those first three things were not true. In case you didn't know that, I don't really necessarily have the swimmer build, so I think that probably was a dead giveaway. Um, but this part, this was the true one. Just so you, I'm not even going to make you guys have to guess. This totally happened. My wife's already rolling her eyes at me. And she, but I, we, had, we lived in a duplex, and, uh, and the people that lived next door to us, I don't think they really thought I was funny, um, and they probably still to this day don't, but, uh, but I, I came home from work, and there was a squirrel, and it was, and it was yes, I just used this as an opportunity to tell this story. She just, <laughs> so this squirrel's like staring at me uh, when I'm walking up, up the driveway, and, and so I look at it, and I, you know, and he just, he's just standing there staring at me. We had this little, this stare off going. Uh, and so I, I looked at him, and I, and I, and I gave him one of these, right? You know, like a little, you know, let him know that I mean business. And, uh, and he just stood, he just stared at me. He just continued to stand there. So I had gum in my mouth. I took the gum out, and I threw it in this direction. Like, I, I mean, he's threatening me now, right? Like, he's, I mean, his eyes are wide open, and he's, he's threatening me. I get up to the, the, front door and he's still standing right down there and he is still staring at me so I reached down and I picked up this very rock and yes I kept it and I just went woof like that in his direction I didn't intend to hit it well actually I mean if I would have hit it that would have been fantastic right 
but he's standing there and he's got a he's got a walnut in his mouth and and I watched it hit and I and right as it almost got to him I realized it was going to hit him and I cringed like oh no I don't know why that was my reaction but it hit him knocked him over knocked the the um the walnut out of his mouth he lay there and first thing I thought was I just killed that thing and then he got up and he ran, he grabbed that he he scurried around found the walnut and took off. And I stood there and then it all sunk in. That was the greatest shot I've ever in the whole world. So, so I stand there and I'm arms up and I'm like, woohoo! I just hit a squirrel in the head with a rock. Okay, but uh, I actually I just said the woohoo part and then my neighbors had their door open and they're like, hey, how's it going? And then uh, that was my response. I just hit a squirrel in the head with a rock. Good for you. All right. Okay, so a little bit later, I'm telling Sarah the story, and I'm pretty proud of myself. And, uh, and so uh, I go, I, it had to have been, you know, 800 feet because I probably exaggerated it. And I go, I'm, I'm curious how far it was. I really am. So I go, and I, I find my measuring, I can't find a measuring tape. I'm like, gosh darn it. So I went to the neighbor's. Hey, can I borrow a measuring tape? Sure. He goes, do you need help measuring something? Yeah, absolutely. Can, you want to have him help me? So he go, I have him uh, he, I have him <laughs> go out. I'm like, stand right here. Now, the rock's like sitting on the ground, and he's like standing there, right? And he's holding it. And, uh, and, and he goes, what exactly are we measuring? And as I get up to the very end, and I'm measuring it off, it's 34 and a half feet. I'm like, wow, 34 and a half feet. And he goes, what are, what are we measuring? And I'm like, oh, how far I threw that rock. Are you serious? <laughs> and unfortunately, I had to tell him, yes, I was serious. <laughs> we didn't hang out. But that was the true statement about me. Those other three things, I completely made those up. You see, I think... In life, we are fed lies and we are fed truth, and we have to decipher between those things. We have to determine what we hear is true. This was a completely true story, by the way. And yes, I kept the rock, and I wanted to put it in a display case. It hasn't happened yet. Do you believe that there is something more than what you can see? A girl was uh, walking to class. She was late for class, and uh, she was she had a test. And, and she's uh, she's she starts to you know she's picking up brisk walk. She's going uh, to take this test. She's uh, she's pretty uh, nervous, and so she just starts praying. She's just praying as she's as she's walking, and she's like, "God, I just just help me with this test. Help me not to be late to class." Uh, and then just as, as she's to this point, she, she slips on, on some loose gravel and, and, and then hits a curve, trips and falls, okay? Falls flat on her face in the, in the mud and, and all this stuff. And so she gets up and she's not, she, not nothing she can really do at this point because she's still got to go take this test. So she gets back up and, and she's, she's now like a little bit brisker pace and she starts to pray again, God. I just, I just pray that you will 
uh, that you will, you will be with me uh, in this test. Help me, help me do well on this test. Help me not to be late to class. And maybe don't push me this time. You see, <laughs> you know the difference between a good joke and a bad joke? Timing. Some of you will catch that later. Can you accept that there is more than what you can see? As as Christian people, we believe in the spiritual aspect of life. Uh, We we know that that God is uh, is unseen. I don't see God. I can see His creation. I can see uh, the, the fruits of of what he's done. Now, when Jesus was here on earth, Jesus was God in the flesh. So it was, uh, we could, you know, people could see that, witness it, and experience it. But we, uh, we haven't yet seen God face to face. He did promise us that he would leave us the Spirit. Now, the Spirit is, is God himself living in and amongst us day in and day out. We don't see that. We can see the fruits of that. We don't, uh, we can, we can experience it, but we don't, you know, you don't, you don't really see it. You know, they, uh, the best, the best words I can, I can come across uh, to, to define kind of the understanding is, is the word dimensions. And I know that's, that's a little bit of a, uh, a stretch maybe, uh, but to understand a different dimension, like a dimension we can't see, it's an invisible dimension. Uh, I, I'll start by, I'd, I'd reference uh, Colossians 1, uh, I'll start with that. Um, Colossians 1 in verse 16, um, he talks about uh, God being the, or 15 and 16, he talks about, he says God's the the visible or the invisible God, and and then he he goes on to say that uh, that he is um, uh, he's the God of what is what is both visible and invisible. So when I read that, I'm thinking to myself, what what is he talking about when he's talking about what's invisible, other than there's stuff going on that we don't see. And if anybody has ever been in the middle of any sort of uh, of uh, just absolute spiritual warfare, you will agree that there is stuff that goes on that we cannot see. And I, I don't think we do uh, good enough justice of talking about the, the negative aspect of spiritual warfare, the, 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 uh, the, Satan, the, the satanic part of it. The, the, you know, it's, a, it's a scarier subject, so people don't really talk about Satan a whole lot because we don't like him. That's boo, you know, boo Satan, yay Jesus, and that's what we teach kids, and we leave it at that at surface level. But there's more to it. And so I want to dig into an understanding uh, of this a little bit. Uh, going into the spiritual aspect. I think the Bible is just littered, littered with, I, with, with different things among spiritual ethics. I'm going to throw you guys scripture, so if you're, taking, if you're taking notes, I'd write scriptures down and go read them when you're at home because there's gonna, I'm going to reference some scriptures that I really want you guys to read because you know, that's part of, of testing the spirits. I want you to hear what I say, but I want you to take it home and I want you to read it. 
But when you talk about the spiritual aspect within the Bible, it is everywhere. You know, who, who appears to Mary at, the child, at, the, at, at Jesus' birth? Right? An angel appeared before him, hello, you know, the Christmas story, and, and we have little kids walk out with their, right? But an angel appeared before, before Mary. Uh, Jesus' baptism, what do you see? You know, there are accounts of, of uh, the Spirit coming down like a dove. Um, who appears just in the resurrection story? Who appears to tell them that Jesus is risen, right? So there's obviously something going on. Uh, and then, and then there's uh, there's the the possessed people that that are in the uh, that are in the the herd of pigs that that jump off the the cliff. I mean, you, the the Bible is full of these things, but I feel like these these are the things we don't talk about because it's a little bit a uh, little bit deep, a little bit of an understanding uh, that. And to me, I think it's something that's that's vital to 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 study and to learn. Not just because I think it's interesting. I'm not one of the you know. I, I like to study a lot of things because they're interesting. I like to study spiritual warfare because I believe it has eternal value, not because I think it's interesting. As a matter of fact, if you the the less you know about it, the scarier it is. The more you know about it, the more uh, you can. Um, be equipped to take it on when 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 things are hard. But I want to talk. Uh, there's two interactions uh, within the within the Old Testament. Uh, I'm gonna, I want to read one of them for you. It's in Ezekiel. Uh, there's two interactions between uh, between what we would know as as Satan or Lucifer in the Old Testament. Um. Where where God God straight tells you know this is what this is what's going on now what what you guys need to understand is that angels or you know fallen angels we we know as demons they they were um, they were created by God they were created by God to be good okay. Understand that they were created by God to uh, to fulfill His purpose and to fulfill His purposes in life. Now, He did not create them to to be evil, but He created them to fulfill His purposes in His life, and He gave them the will to do what I have asked, commanded you to, or not to do what I've commanded you to do. And so you see, uh, and I'll pick up uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, if you want to turn to that. Ezekiel 28, verses 13 through 17. And this is an interaction. uh, And and, uh, he says, You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. And then a bunch of things that I don't understand. And then the most, the, the most beautiful um, the, uh, thing there, Onyx and Coach Jasper. Saw you in there, buddy. Um, they, they named that after him because it was so beautiful. And uh, Lapis, Lulu, Turquoise. Okay, we're going to go through the, the gems. Your setting and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. 
You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the days you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and your, your, you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. Okay. He's telling him, you became proud. You saw what you were. You saw what I made you. And you said, look how great I am. And because of that, you, uh, you, he said, the, you, you, you turned your back on God. This is the first of all of God's creation that turns their back on God, who is given what is good, was, was shown what, I mean, from all understanding, he, he has seen God in the flesh. He has seen God face to face in all of his glory and all of his beauty and said, yeah, I could be like that. And, what, and thought that he could be something that was of equal value to the creator. The creation thinking he could be of equal value to the creator. And, and so you see him buy into this just concept of, of, I can be elite. And then you see other people do the same thing. And they fall, or other people, excuse me, other uh, these spiritual beings, these angelic beings, you see more of them do the same thing. They buy into this lie that they should question God's will. They buy into a lie that they should uh, reject what they were created for. They buy into a lie that they uh, should, that they could rely on their own self, that they can rely on their own beauty. They can rely on their, and they can become something more than what they were created to be. So they, so they, they set off in opposition to God because of that. You see, one thing I want to make really clear is that God did not create evil. Okay? God also didn't create good. God created creation, and good and evil are responses to those things. Okay? Try to elaborate on this. If I eat something that my wife makes and I think it's good, I'm going to say, hmm, that's good. Right? If I think it's not good, I'm not going to go, oh, that's evil because I'm smart. But good and evil is a response to God's creation. God intended us to respond to His creation with good. He intended for Satan, for Lucifer. He intended for him to respond to his creation with good. However, he gives free will because he wants authenticity. And because of that authenticity, some will say, I'm going to reject that. I can do better 
And that lie carries on. That lie carried on to the Garden of Eden, did it not? You guys did. You guys could do better. It said that a, that a third of the angels fell to the earth with, with Lucifer, saying, we could be as good as God. Now, the problem with that is, and then biblically we see uh, different names for, for Satan, and, and they are, you know, you're the father of lies, you are, uh, you know, darkness, we, we, we related to, to darkness, the absence of God, um, but, but you see these different mentalities, and these different, like, definitions of, of who he is. But what I, want, what I want to tell you today is I want to take, I want to give you guys three lies. I want to give you guys three lies and a truth. And I want, and I want you to hear these and be able, I want you to be able to, be, to, to live in the truth so that you can become what God has created you to become. And that we as a church can become what God has created us as a church to become. Lie number one, question God's will. In essence, this is questioning God's character. So if you're, if you're taking notes, that's bullet point one. Question, question God's will. It came across in the Garden of Eden. Does God really want you to not know what evil is? Does God really, does he, he's keeping that from you because if you know evil, then, you know, uh, start to question whether, whether what God prepared for you is true or not, or, or not true. Question that, uh, it, you know, it, it comes out in, in today's thing, is God really a truly loving God? I mean, if God's a truly loving God, then, then why would we be living in a world that things are, things are bad, things are terrible? Things, terrible things happen. God was a loving God. Wouldn't He do something about that? Um, you know, the, the this is the the question. The, the, the you know the church the church doesn't really look like the one in the Bible. So so you know maybe God doesn't have a place for me. That's those are lies that are bought with our culture right now. Maybe God doesn't have a place for me in, in a church because it, you know it just. It's discouraging. You know, present your bodies as holy sacrifices. Holy and acceptable to God. Uh, it's a little late for that, don't you think? These are the lies that... Does, does God really... Does He really not want me, I mean, to, to know this? Is He... And really what happens is God, God's character is what's at stake. You see, if, if Satan can get you to question God's character or his plan for creation, it, that's the best way to get you to grow cold. And the response to growing cold or is, is anger with God. You can, I, I've seen it in all-out rejection, hatred towards God. And those people will normally then say that they're atheists. Or uh, people who go motionless through life because they're afraid of what might be uncovered. 
And we're digging to number two. The second lie told, reject what God has created for you. Reject God's will. Reject God's purpose. Do you know why God created you? God created you for a relationship with Him. He created you for a good relationship with Him. So, you know, apart from evil. He wanted an authentic, good relationship with you. That's why He created you. He didn't create the angelic beings for that purpose. He created humankind for that purpose. In His image. Because He wants the opportunity to know you. Now, I really appreciate a lot of things my wife does. I appreciate that she, uh, she puts up with way more from my kids than I can because I, I go crazy. She, uh, you know, she'll... Can you imagine if I came home once a week and I just sat her down and said, I just want you to know, I really, I really appreciate you. I appreciate what you do around this house. I appreciate the character that you're building in my kids. I appreciate the, uh, the woman that you are. I appreciate all of the sacrifices and the, and the, the sleep you've had to sacrifice. And, and, and I appreciate just everything about you. Now, I also prepared for you a list. Here's stuff over the next week that I'd like to see done. Could you go ahead and, you know, if you have, if you have the time, uh, you know, I, I, this is bad. And, and can you go sit with, with my Aunt Jemima while she, I don't really have an Aunt Jemima, but while she, you know, has, uh, has surgery because, you know, I'm not going to be able to be there, but, but it'd be good if, if you were there, Right? And then the rest of the week, I don't say another word to her. I don't go around her. I don't, I don't, I don't have any sort of relationship with her. Uh, you know, I, I just go on my merry way. And then, and then come like Friday again, I go, hey, let's have another one of those sit-downs. You know, you didn't re- I really appreciate that you went and talked to my Aunt Jemima. And I really appreciate that you did this. Now, here's a list for the next week. How long do you think that relationship would work before she'd smack me? There's no authenticity in a relationship like that. You see, God intended for us to be in a relationship with Him that is so much more than that. He created us for a relationship with Him, an authentic one, where, where, the, where He's created the, us to be used by Him. He's given us gifts that could be used by Him. He's given us be, people in our lives that He wants us to love. People, things around us that he, he wants us to do. And we don't, if, we, if we don't interact with him we're never going to know what he loves 
We're never going to know where he's at. You know, the, the beauty of my, my relationship with my wife is that we go through all the bad stuff together. We go through, you know, hell and high water. We've been through some, some stuff. And th- those are the things that grow us closer together. Because we went through stuff together. We also rejoiced together. Um, 2015 Royals. Um, and children. We had those too, I guess. We go through things together in life. I know the things she's passionate about. She knows the things I'm passionate about. That's part of it. I'm, I'm a better person because she's around. She is not a better person because I'm around. I hope that's not true. You see, 2 Timothy 1.9 He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If we reject what God's created us for, that's probably one of the better lies you can have. Because if, if I if I want to see it, you never figure it out, I'll keep you away from the thing that'll keep that that'll help you grow. I'll keep you away from the relationships that'll mold you into to who you. And I, I'm telling you that there's what what happens within the spiritual warfare is your life is at stake and. And Satan and all that is evil will wrap around your life and say, let's, let's cut you off from that relationship. If we can cut you off from that relationship, you'll never figure it out. You'll never become what you're supposed to become. Which will lead me directly into the third lie. The third lie... Rely on your own merits. Reject your need for Jesus. I will tell you guys right now, I'm a horrible person. I know that about myself. I can tell you more bad things about myself than you guys can tell me about myself. And we live in a small town, so you guys probably already know all my business. The truth is, if I were to rely upon myself to be a good person, I'm always going to come up short. If I rely on myself to, um, to not screw up, I'm going to fall short. If I rely on myself for salvation, I already fell short. And yet, this is a commonly adopted theory. Or theory, yeah. What happens when, when, when you do something or say something that you know is, you know, 
Like, say there's a joke and you know it's not funny, but you laugh at it anyway, and you know that it, you shouldn't laugh at it because I do this a lot, by the way. Um, and then you're like, oh, and then, and then, oh, you laughed at that joke. You're what? Going to hell. Ever heard that one? Oh, you laughed at that joke. You're going to hell. I don't think that, the problem is we've adopted that idea. If I'm a good enough person, I could be okay. But if I have this list, of, if the list of good outweighs the bad, then maybe I'll go to heaven. And if the list of bad outweighs the good, then I'll go to hell. And that's what dictates it. And the problem with that is it removes the need of a Savior. We remove the need for Jesus. Jesus died so that because we are completely imperfect, that we can still be restored to what God created us to be. Now, don't hear me wrong in this. God is not okay with sin. I want to just preface that right up front. I am a, I am a sinful person. And that doesn't just be, oh, but it's okay because God's grace covers it. That's not true. It is true that I'm, that is true. God's grace does cover my sins. But God does not enjoy sin. He doesn't just, nah, no big deal. Okay? God sees sins and he's detested by it. So by no means am I going to ever stand up here and give you guys any impression that the gospel says it's okay to continue to go on and sin. However, the gospel preached correctly. You see biblically, the next response is, should I just keep going on sinning so that grace may abound? No. You know, no. <laughs> but that should be your re reaction to hearing the gospel. Because it is nothing about you. You cannot obtain it. And I see more people that don't do anything because they're afraid of what would be seen out in the light. I'll be honest, it's, it's a struggle. If everybody knew what, I, what was going on inside of me or what I, you know, uh, what I did when I was 12 years old, and if they held that against me now, they'd never, ever, ever want to hear what I had to say. If, if, they, if they held that, that against me now, they, they, they definitely wouldn't, wouldn't see somebody who could, who could lead other people. They wouldn't see somebody who could, who could uh, know, know Christ, who could uh, they wouldn't accept that I could have a relationship with God. Or that I could be used by God. And, and what, unfortunately, this is the, the thing that I think people dealing with sins believe they can't be used by God. Because I'm still dealing with this sin. And then the, the, the people that deal with sins that get, that, that get judged and questioned because of their sins and and exposed, and, and then I, I don't want to be that guy. I'll do, something, I'll do something where I can be on the down low. Something where people won't know my issues. 
And then, I, you know, maybe I can fill up that chart of good things without people knowing the bad things about you. The problem of it is, if I'm defined by the gospel, the first thing that, I, that, is, that is important to know in the gospel is that I am an imperfect person. So when I stand before anybody who says, hey, you know, you're, what, what's your merit for being a Christian? You laughed at that joke. I would say, yeah, I probably shouldn't have. And you know, I, I will be honest with you, the, we should always be, we should always be hurting by our sins. When we sin, we should realize the destruction that happens to ourselves. We don't always. Um, and we should be detested by our sins. Because they break us. And no matter how many times you chase those sins, it'll continue to break you. However, there is a truth. I said I'd get to the truth. You guys can... Come up. The truth is, Jesus covered it all on the cross so that I can, I can become what He created me to be. Jesus died on the cross so that I could be free. So that I could be clean. So that when when people see me, I can deflect them off of me. Because I'm not trying to win people to me. I want people to know God. Because God has a plan for their lives. And I believe everywhere I've been, I know God wants to do something great. I've seen Him try to do something great. And, and, and I've seen... I've seen all these lies creep in and, and, and people become stagnant. They become flat. They, they become afraid. They, they, get, they become beat down because they, they think, where, where is my purpose? Where is my strength? What can I do? And the, the thing is, I, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing, nothing, nothing you can do that, that takes you away from the love of Jesus. There's nothing you can do because He's called you to become something greater. He's called you to be part of something greater. And I would say that if you're here or all listening online, if, you, if you're done relying upon yourself, if you know that you can't get there by yourself, I would tell you that you have no excuse when you live under the gospel. There's no excuse that says, I'm not good enough. There's no excuse that says, but my life looks like this. Because you're never going to be perfected by God if you can be defeated before you ever even get down to the, to the grid of why you're the way you are. I believe God wants for all of us freedom. I believe He offers freedom. And I think if you're to take anything from this today, if 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by your works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has something greater and bigger and more just powerful that He wants to do in your life, in my life, in this church's life. It, it, it starts by saying, God, I need you. God, I want to believe that you are who, I, who you say I am. Or you, that you see me as who, who, who you say I am. And that, God, I will see myself as somebody who loves you and is in need of you. As, uh, as the band, band plays, just a time to reflect. And I know, it, I'm, I know there's people in this place. I, I'm, I can help you get to those people. I can, t- I can talk with you. It's, if you are here today and you absolutely believe that that's, this is the message you need to hear I pray that you will talk to somebody about it and that you will say I've been relying upon myself for so long and I know that that's not going to get me anywhere use the opportunity use whatever opportunities you have to come and find what God has created you to be. Because in that in itself is freedom. So...